What's up, everybody? This is Dr. White from Align & Co. Nathan Barr. And uh, in this week's episode, we're going to dive into engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big topic of conversation and something that uh, really Nate and I bonded over as far as uh, you know what I think separates us and our companies and makes them unique. Uh, and it's a big topic of conversation with the brokers that we work with and the companies mm-hmm. that we serve. Uh, and so what we're going to focus on today are some strategies that we use in our companies to really drive that engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also what we think are some bad ideas and what we've sometimes seen uh, as ways that we would not recommend. Because I think that's useful as well. Yeah, definitely. For me, engagement is a representation of the quality of the product that you're providing to a business. And so, yeah, when we start talking about all these different products and and uh, what normal engagement is for some of them. Uh, success for, for a lot of these solutions, if they hit 10% engagement, they're, they're popping champagne and, and having a party. <laughs> and, exactly, uh, yeah. And it, it's really, you know, if you look at it and you step back um, and say that's, uh, it's extremely low. And, uh, and so, yeah, I always look at engagement as a huge, huge uh, representation of, you know, how much the workforce really sees value in something. Agreed. And I think it'd be useful too just to jump off by defining or what we would define as engagement. Mm-hmm. So again, both of our companies, while we do have offerings on the digital side, mm-hmm. what we are best at and what we see the most ROI in is typically with, again, the on-site components of mm-hmm. bringing providers to the employees. And so I would qualify engagement. I think Nate probably would agree mm-hmm. that an engaged employee is one that's working with our providers on a regular basis. Yeah. Typically, the companies we work with were yeah. there weekly, if not a minimum bi-weekly. And so, again, having the employees working and connecting with these providers regularly is what I would consider an engaged employee. But would you agree with that definition? Yeah, we technically, we use, we'll say meaningful clinical interactions. Yeah. And so something beyond a basic conversation or, hey, I'm just going to quick answer this question for you. It's I'm working with you as an individual, not just transacting with you yep. over something simple. So yeah, engagement is a meaningful metric. It's not just a fluff metric where, Hey, I checked a box or I, you know, made a phone call or something like that. That's not really engagement. Agreed. Yeah, it's much deeper than that. Cool. Yeah. So let's, I think, jump in first into some ways that we have found mm-hmm. to drive good engagement mm-hmm. uh, before we get into the some of the negative things yeah. that exist. No, for sure. I mean, for us, Health Bar, one of our strategies is that personal connection. So start out an account. Um, a lot of the solutions that you would see just give you information and say, hey, here, this is available to you. Uh, but you can never put a face behind that solution. And that solution may have a rotating list of individuals that you never know who you're gonna talk with. So right off the bat, one of the key things we really try to hit on grabbing that engagement metric, bringing our providers to that business on site, introducing themselves, um, and it's the actual team that will be working with that population. So you put your, you know, your nurse, your nurse practitioner and that care team uh, directly in front of uh, the people meet and greet so that people can see like this is just a normal person that's here to support you goes a very long ways. Yeah. yeah. And I think very similarly, you know, we have providers on site. One of the things that I talk about a lot with management teams is that if you're really wanting to meaningfully impact someone's health it's more of a practical psychology question of how do you change your behavior than it is as simple as nate 
you know, address, just giving them information. You know, in today's day and age with the internet, I joke that if the answer to better health was as simple as uh, more info, uh, the internet would have given us abs a long time ago, right? So it's not that easy. So I think it's recognizing again that you're dealing with human beings and they all have intrinsic motivations. And in order to understand the complexities of what's the barrier that's because most employees, I always talk about this, you know, they're not dumb. They're great people, hardworking people who likely know they don't have the best health. They likely have some health goal they've been meaning to get ahead of. They don't like about themselves. So it's not that they're intrinsically making bad decisions intentionally Mm -hmm. or that they are intentionally uh, neglecting their health. It's just that they don't either don't know what they don't know or there's been a barrier there. So again, it's important Mm -hmm. to have the providers there working with your employees to understand, again, uh, we call it uh, proximate leadership, the idea of getting Mm -hmm. proximate or close to an individual. You understand the complexities that exist uh, that's keeping them from the solution or the the reality that they want. And so again, that's why it's so important to have providers Mm -hmm. there getting to know your individual employees and help them navigate these complex issues and mm-hmm. and help to remove the barriers for them whether that be just education or whether it be mm-hmm. getting them connected to a different provider or whatever you have again mm-hmm. it's important uh, to have that connection there because it's not as simple unfortunately as just throwing more information at and a workforce and expecting them to make a better decision yeah exactly right you know and in, in, in creating that initial interaction and putting that person behind the solution the relationship is formed and then somebody's view on us as healthcare providers changes as well. I think what we've found is a lot of people, when they think about healthcare and other solutions, it feels very like uh, dictative and authoritarian, and it doesn't feel like they're participating in their own medical care. And so a lot of people hesitate to engage with traditional healthcare because they feel like they're going to be put down, demeaned, um, told about everything they've done wrong in their life not listened to and understood. And uh, we just had a case recently too, it was super cool, where, you know, 50 some year old truck driver and, you know, unhealthy by most standards, um, some chronic conditions and hadn't seen his doctor in over 10 years. And we started engaging with this employer group. He calls one of our providers and just says, I'm a mess, like I need help. And because our provider had reached out and engaged with that individual prior and had a face behind that, he trusted that provider and started engaging and working through now a new plan of care um, that fits his goals and desires, but also meets what his healthcare needs are. And like 10 years of nothing all of a sudden, just like that. And that's, we get that question a lot with a lot of our employers. How do you get to that person? Some of those hardest cases, the ones that are the biggest skeptics that look the most unhealthy. And I feel like you're never going to get them to engage in your solution, but you, you just make it real for them and about the person again, magic happens. It's, it's pretty neat to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, you know, one of the intentional things that we always recommend is incentivizing some sort of annual physical and then with the providers that we're working with, because again, part of how you get someone to engage and get them to acknowledge that their health isn't what they want it to be is by first understanding the driving factors behind health, right? Because the only reason most people care about their health is because if you don't have your health, then you can't do the things you wanna do. Whether it's fishing, going, hanging out with your family, traveling, et cetera, prerequisite for that is your health. Mm -hmm. And so 
Uh, again, just getting to understand the motivations behind your employees, getting them to acknowledge through some consultations that their health is not where they want it to be or there's some health goals that are outstanding there. Then proving that it's not through objective measures, right? right. Then doing some testing and seeing those mm-hmm. results. And then from that, you, know, you validate you're right. You're not where you should be. We can see that in the testing. Mm-hmm. And then presenting then the clear solution to them. Mm-hmm. Again, those intrinsic and intentional steps make a massive influence on that mm-hmm. individual. And I always joke, it takes a rare bird to go through everything I just described, <laughs> see the clear solution in front of them after acknowledging their health is not where they want it to be and mm-hmm. still do nothing. Most people, again, are probably going to engage at some level. Yep. And again, that's how you reach these people is mm-hmm. just by being human beings. And I think the other thing, Nate, is the I think a lot of individuals, general consumers have this outside of the fear uh, that you were alluding to with traditional providers are being looked down upon. Mm-hmm. I think that also comes with this. Uh, sometimes individuals feel like doctors are like unreachable or that mm-hmm. uh, they're not real people. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the other yeah. benefit of having you know providers on site is that these employees realize that we're just like them, Mm -hmm. right? We have the same intrinsic hobbies, friends, motivations, Mm -hmm. family. We're just human beings just like them. And we're not like this, you know, enigma that's above them. It's like, no, we're just humans just like you. We just have a different skill than you where you might be a welder or CNC, you know, provider Mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, it's like, we're just healthcare providers. That's what we do. And so I think, again, those intentional things go a long way. Yeah. The same barriers to even taking care of ourselves as as healthcare professionals, you know, it's, you got to practice what you preach on that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's treating people like people. Exactly. It's about that relationship. And then you bringing your own experiences to the table along with the clinical expertise of it and working with that person. Yeah, it's really, really, it's really neat. Um, so I think uh, just to wrap up here, let's just briefly talk about where we common, we see some common pitfalls yeah. or where uh, we have seen, you know, uh, with the best intentions to drive engagement, we feel like that's probably not the best way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen almost across the board in a lot of the solutions that we'd say are our competitors necessarily. It's, it's reactive solutions and it's a sit back and wait style of approach. So you all realize, you know, maybe within a health plan, you have an EAP, you have uh, maybe a telehealth offering, maybe about prescription sourcing and some other benefits that are there. Health insurance is complex enough. And now you're asking someone who may not already have the motivation to go and search for and find a solution that's in their benefits package and then to call a 1-800 number, then to go through a phone tree and speak to somebody random who they don't know and then to maybe finally get to the solution they're looking for. And so the path they have to take to get there is is so disincentivizing that usually you get lost at step one. Like what's even this benefit that I have access to? And then the other steps are you know not even taken. So. Yeah, that's, those are great points. I think the other common mistake that I see, again, going knowing that it's a practical psychology question, I think most people would naturally then you know, acknowledge that there's the carrot and the stick, right? And so I'll just share two quick stories that will really drive this home as to, I think, where engagement is can be bad or uh, there's barriers. So bad is I was just talking to an employer. They were wanting to get into health and wellness, and they were talking about a smoking sensation program. They were talking about this basically creating a penalty for employees who were smokers. And... And it offsets the stick, right? But 
my thing was, and they did not pull the trigger on that, which I had said, I think that was probably a very intelligent decision, <laughs> especially as their first foray into wellness, specifically because it goes back to just thinking as a bigger picture, take a bigger step back for a second and recognize these are just human beings. So at this point, I would say most Americans know smoking is bad for them. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever met a smoker who didn't know that uh, smoking was, there was no illusion that it was probably not the best decision for their health. So then it becomes a bigger question of, well, why are they smoking then? Mm-hmm. They know it's bad for them. Why are they? So my point in this is if I'm an employee and I'm smoking, it's probably either something that I just stumbled into when I was young, got addicted, and I haven't figured out how to kick it. Maybe I've tried patches or gums, and then I just I, I have this limiting belief that I can never get off of it, even though I want to. Or I do it because it is self-medicating for a bigger issue. I'm stressed. I have this other thing, and I do it when I feel like I'm out of control. Okay. In either scenario, if my employer came to me and said, hey, if you continue to do this, I'm going to penalize you, mm-hmm. especially in the demographics that we commonly serve mm-hmm. in, in blue collar. I'm probably just going to keep smoking out of spite yeah. at this point because it's going to tick me off that you're, I already know this is bad for me. And now you're penalizing me and treating me mm-hmm. like a, a misbehaved child. Like, I don't think that's a good way to, to no. meaningfully change someone's behavior. No. The other thing that I commonly see again, which is the barrier is I tell a story a lot, but the first company I ever served, uh, there was an employee man named Bobby. Every day he would carry in this Meyer bag and I thought it was his lunch. Lunch. And so every week when I would see him, I just assumed he was carrying his lunch in. One day he had set his bag down by my table and I could see inside and there were a couple Monster Energy drinks, some Coca-Cola, a fire energy. Mm-hmm. And I asked Bobby, you know, I said, is that for your week? That's, uh, that's a, lot of, a lot of energy drinks. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, it's for my shift. And I did my best to hide. I didn't want to judge him. I tried hiding my shock, but I couldn't and he could read it. And so he said, hey, man, no, no, it's okay. These are sugar free. And I realized in that moment, like, oh, you think that energy drinks are bad or at least awful Mm -hmm. for you because of the sugar. Mm -hmm. And so in his mind, he had made a good decision, right? And so, again, rather than judge, I just said, hey, man, like, why are you doing this stuff? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you'd probably know this isn't the best thing to drink. And he's like, well, you know, I'm exhausted. I got two jobs. I got a baby girl at home. I got a, I got a, I got a supporter. And so I said, okay, well, how much water do you drink? I don't drink water. Fair. Well, I think part of the reason you're so fatigued is because you're dehydrated. So why don't we replace one monster this week with 32 ounces of water? Just give it a shot for me. Next week when I'm here, I'll just see how you're doing. Next week, Bobby, how are you doing? I feel amazing. <laughs> awesome. So again, my, the reason I bring this up is he was self-medicating, right? Like he knew inherently this is probably not the best thing to be drinking, but he had discounted the benefit of water and he was trying to just support his family. He was fatigued. And so he did the one thing he thought would help, which was buy all these energy drinks. And he knew that they were bad. So he thought, I'll buy the healthy version of them because at least that's better for me. So again, the reason Mm -hmm. I tell these stories is your people are just people. They are trying to get through their day. They're trying to support their family, trying to, you know, they're working for you as a means to an end. Mm -hmm. And if you don't acknowledge that and the barriers that exist either from their own knowledge, like Bobby, or again, like the example of the smoking employees, maybe they just don't know how to get out. They have a limiting belief. They are Mm -hmm. self-medicating some other way. If you're not approaching them as a human being then you're and you're just trying to force them into this hole i guarantee you you will not great get engagement in fact mm-hmm. you'll likely just create a culture in which anything that management tries to put in front of me is only about them not me mm-hmm. because again 
they're going to think management just cares about their dollar. They care about the business more than me because they're just trying to punish me now for doing the one thing that like makes me feel good in the moment, which is smoking in that example. So yeah. again, I think those two things are really important as well mm-hmm. as what Nate talked about. So again, yep. um, I think just to, to wrap up, mm-hmm. I would say that again, if you're watching this and you're wanting to improve your engagement, that I would highly encourage you to think about a customized solution, likely having a solution where you're having professionals coming on site, working with your people. To Nate's point, Mm -hmm. you can't expect an an HR person or even a team of HR people to be able to navigate every single employee in your company and help Mm -hmm. them to get connected to the correct solutions that you're Mm -hmm. offering in your your benefits programs. I think that's probably too much to expect out of all the things HR people are trying to navigate Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis. So again, trying to bring some providers on site, recognizing that again, if you're going to make an investment, you should, in my opinion, probably Nate's as well, look to invest in something that's going to be customized to your people and the complexities mm-hmm. that exist within your organization, as opposed to mm-hmm. just a off-the-shelf product. Yeah. Because it's probably not going to be a great ROI, yep. uh, which we'll talk about in later episodes mm-hmm. and kind of how we track that and, and yep. all of that. But yeah, easy, easy solutions um, are typically not the right solution, and so kind of warning one that if it's uh, quick and simple to implement, it may not be the best option for you. So, yeah, ROI and solutions is going to be a great topic uh, to discuss as uh, that plays directly into the uh, the finance considerations. Yeah. Sure. Well, we hope you found this useful. We hope that this has inspired you to think about your organization or the organizations that you serve. Just, again, trying to create some solutions to reach people. Because at the end of the day, again, like Nate and I talked about when we talked about our stories, why we started our organizations, we really have a heart for just helping average people and most Americans just get uh, connected to better health care and just get them engaged in their health. So, again, thank you for watching. And please like, subscribe. Uh, And, again, let us comment below if you have any any thoughts or questions about topics you would like us to talk about, or again, how you've seen engagement either work well or not work well in organizations. Awesome.